Hello, and welcome back to the Inquisitor podcast with me, Marcus Kauke. Today, it's a genuine pleasure to have as my guest, Chris Tapper. He is the Director of Operations at Sustainable Himalayan Foundation. He is also ex-Gurkha and Special Forces, and he's been involved in leading expeditions up Everest and K2. Chris, welcome. Thank you, Marcos, and a great to and my pleasure to meet you here. Wonderful. Look, t- today's going to be a bit of a departure from our normal conversation, but I'm sure people will be very interested in learning a bit about your background. So can we start with what it was like growing up in Nepal and the extremes and the conditions that you grew up with, and then we'll explore how different it is now uh, that you're in Surrey. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Marcus, again, having me here. And my pleasure. So actually, I born in the uh, mountain, a remote part of the West Nepal, where actually I couldn't born in my mom's house because of the culture I grew up. And I born in the jungle, born of the trees. And I remember vividly, yeah, uh, still uh, when I grown up, I used to we used to worship for the god. Uh, we used to worship for the mountain. We used to worship for the basically everything nature. And where I grown up, is no such thing, any AIs or artificial or any pretty much in the jungle. And uh, I remember now, I think we are so close with the spiritual and nature and the pretty much uh, nothing as such thing the way we I experienced in London or South today. <laughs> What's your earliest childhood memory? That's very uh, interesting and very close to me. I remember wake up in the morning about 4 a.m. with the mom. And we used to, you know, the fire with the kerosene in the, um, you know, All right. like, you know kerosene. The lamp, yeah. And then walk down through the jungle to carry some of the, uh, you know, haze and, uh, you know, like millet and maize from the, uh, from the valley. Those are my memories. Wow. And... This is a, a tough one, but what's your most important life experience? I think, yeah, maybe uh, realizing realizing how important my mom and dad and my loved one when I left the uh, Nepal went and joined the Gurkhas in uh, twenty five years ago. Okay, and so t- tell me this: for a young boy growing up in Nepal, was the Gurkhas something that? you expected to do from very young? Yeah, absolutely. I think still, you know, from, as a Nepalese boys, maybe joining the British Gurkhas is probably one of the highest rewarded job and expectation for the Nepalese boys, yeah. Okay. And talk me through that, the early stages of your military experience, because, you know, you've grown up, you're relatively carefree, you've got this incredible expanse of space and all of a sudden you're thrown into military discipline. What was that like? To be honest, it's one of the pretty most desire and dream to join in the British, uh, British Gurkha. And yeah, it's pretty much a wow, you know, wow moment and I made it. And sometimes we achieve in our life and we cross the boundaries which we are not expected to or not achievable, you know. And then, yeah, and it was very remarkable moment and reward moment. In terms of, I think, 
more than what I I only can reflect now. By then was the one of probably one of the biggest ever thing I achieved. But actually, in our culture, we live for the someone else's dream. My parents, my dad dream was to me joining in the Gurkhas. Right. Actually, I didn't realize that that was actually my own dream. So I think because of our culture and the way we've grown up, make me my parents and my loved one happy is possibly the my you know my my life um uh, yeah uh, by then i thought it was uh, uh, fantastic but you know like i like i say i can only reflect now and um yeah going through the process so t- tell me this what were the critical lessons that you learned about collaboration about teamwork in the gurkhas because in order to survive, you obviously have to depend on the people around you and they on you. So what, what were the principal lessons that you learned about collaboration? Absolutely. I think that is the fundamental of human. I think for me, it's, I, you know, everything I reflect and experience, teamwork and understanding each other and almost you know, forgetting yourself. Almost your existence is uh, not there and understanding other needs. Because the universe is so much like that. And eventually you, you are look, looking after yourself anyway, looking after some other or looking after the nature, looking after your loved and friend and family is theoretically you looking after yourself as well. Having understanding that situation beyond our capability of understanding the ego and greedy is uh, possibly the biggest um, lesson I learned and with the teamwork and understanding other values and gold. So taking your career further, then obviously you've applied for and qualified to join the Special Forces. What were the lessons that you learned as a Gurkha that you were able then to take into the Special Forces? I think uh, most importantly, again, I think uh, I remember, you know, that vividly, uh, you know, first thing is I never thought I will join the Gurkhas and I never thought I will be, you know, becoming one of the, you know, elite force in the world and, you know, sort of last uh, 17 years. The one most fundamental thing is in what I learned is as long as we overcome our fear and desire and dream, we almost forget ourselves again because one of the th- things I learned is the 60% of the energy for a human being, uh, for us, is actually come out from the nature. What I, yeah, what I mean is the energy system in our body, like fire, water, space, and earth, and the the air we breathe is actually come out. This is the fundamental, whatever we want to achieve in our life. If we regulate the energy system within us and the 40% is just the food we eat and energy. What I'm saying this one is the, I used to, because I used to run for, you know, like hundred miles and the, uh, in order to pass the, you know, like one of the hardest uh, kind of work I you know, became where I am. Sometimes I was surprised myself, but having understanding the uh, five energy system, if we can manipulate and maintain the, all the energy system, so you, we are surviving anyway. Now, in order to enhance 
it's just the 40% which we can get it from, you know, like food or emotion or the loved one. You know, those are the other accessories and extras we can, we can actually borrow from the other. So just to clarify, you did four marathons in one sitting, effectively, a hundred mile run. Uh, basically, yeah. Wow. Okay. So that must require an enormous amount of mental fortitude. So how do you prepare yourself psychologically for a challenge like that? I think the most important thing, what I learned is the lots of the time we don't grab, we don't grab the situation. We don't think about the current situation. We are almost running for the something else, which is not here. So important thing for me is grab the situation, concentrate like five energy system, I said, within ourselves and within our grab. You know, we, we, we can grab and hold on it. If we can maintain that uh, uh, energy system and, and then overcome our fear with the preparation and visualizing the further of our uh, mind and our body and act as it became as one energy and everything is success from there to go further. What I mean is if we're not careful and what's around within us, what is our capability right now, then we, it's, it's not worth thinking about going in the future or planning too much of without vision. But if you grab the current situation and all the ourselves first and energy, body and mind and do the action right now, that will automatically step towards the success. Okay. So you're saying you need to be present mentally and seize the opportunity yeah. and then commit completely to the outcome that you intend. Yeah. So again, obviously I've been very comfortable civilian all my life. I've never had to face my own mortality in the same way that you have. And going into combat situations, going into dangerous situations, doing an expedition up Everest and K2, where other people's lives depend on your ability to lead. I'm really curious about the kind of depth of preparation that you have to go through to prepare yourself for those kind of situations in terms of planning, drill, rehearsal, preparation. Yes, and absolutely, I think uh, you, you hit the nail there, Marcos. A lot of the time we don't, we don't appreciate, you know, I think everything we take on the granted, you know, like I say, Preparation and the most important thing is if we can grasp our senses and like the way we see, feel and hear and grab the current situation with ourselves first. And then if we can turn that our energy and body, you know, like and the decision to someone else. And then if they listen to them, then you are automatically leading and then whatever situation you, you have gone through. And then they will listen to you because you will have the experience and knowledge and expertise. I think not only for the climbing the Everest or putting the life-threatened situation, that could be anything from normal, just you know, walking in the road or walking, walking with the dog in the park. If we are not grabs the current situation, understanding the senses and even the dog would not listen to us. You know, if we're not listening to the dog, they wouldn't even listen to us. So if we can grab the situation, whatever the situation, and one of the things is 
we only can learn and plan and you know execute all the mission that only need to come from the experience. And we only can reflect our experience and memories, whatever the specific mission or the planning and process, and we can reflect for the better outcome of our future. And for example, if you concentrate the uh, heartbeat of the current situation, if you can, uh, you know, like focus our energy and senses and uh, send all the bloodline of the current situation, then we can manipulate and see the better future with that, uh, with our experience and knowledge. So tell me this, do you, do you spend time in meditation? Yes, Marcos. I've been, you know, like I say, when I born in the mountain, I obviously born with the Buddhism philosophy. Like I say, I used to worship for the mountain. I used to worship for the dog and we used to worship for the sky and the rock. By then, it doesn't make sense by then. You know, I just follows whatever my ancestor and, you know, like hundreds and thousands of years they were doing. But now being here in the UK last, you know, 25 years and having understanding, having, uh, you know, opportunity to do and have opportunity to see the both aspect of the life from the East and West. And it, it makes sense to me, you know, how our body and, you know, how our mind are as a living being existentially, how we are connected with nature and cosmos very much every day. Yeah. So, as an observer who's experienced both sides, what advice would you give to people who are caught up in the current COVID crisis, who are feeling pressure because their businesses may be struggling or they're worried about their work and whether they're going to have a job? What advice would you give them in terms of being able to be fully present and to let go of what they cannot control. I think we need to, let's focus one time, you know, like let's focus for 30 seconds uh, what we have at the moment, you know, for other, for us to exist. Just the breathing, you know, we need the breathe, air to breathe. We need, we need to blood, you know, to pumping in our system. We need, we need the, you know, maybe survive ourselves first. If we can survive, and then the focus on the breathing. A lot of people, you know, we do 25,000 times breathing in 24 hours. My half a lungs is hanging on the trees. And those are things we really don't give or concentrate on it. We are just too much run around for the, you know, like psychological case, which is our body is already syncing with the nature. Our body is already speaking with us within with the nature existence but our mind is all the time running for in something else which is not away from the existence if you can just thought through for a while 25000 times we breathe and we don't even concentrate and conscious once you know if we close our nose and mouth for 1 minute we'll be gone and if we can focus that things what are the fundamental for us to understanding and survive for existence in this current situation, then look, we all got that. Then there's no point us to freaking about the COVID situation and freaking about what other people think about you, what a business, other people talking about that. But that will come 
if we can look after ourselves, our you know, body and surviving with the five senses, with the five energy, if we can control within ourselves, and we definitely will have a less suffering and less consequence of our psychological case. So coming from Nepal and then spending time with clearly wound up and unaware Western folks like me, it must have come as a, a bit of a surprise that there is that, and, you know, certainly I notice it with a lot of people that I've worked with, that there's this very strong imbalance. So when you observe that, what thoughts were going through your mind when you first noticed it when you came over here? When I came, first time came to the UK, I had a cultural shock. I had the existence as a human, you know, where I'd grown up, up to the, all to my teenage shock. Only thing I think we can enhance ourselves and only thing we can move forward, whatever you are, not only now, but also for the generation, you know, whatever I, my next generation, how they became completely different existence and understanding the nature than I is actually, you know, mind-blowing. I couldn't even think about that. I think the only we can overcome that situation is also understanding ourselves. And every minute we will have 40 million of opportunity in our life. But the problem is we already, all the time with psychological case, and we're not grasping the current situation and making a decision. Or like I say, some of the time we are stuck on so much in past and future. And we almost forget the current situation and the current you know, opportunity we have. I think if we are thankful and gratitude and generosity with the current situation, we'd be, you know, free everything without cost. And if we move uh, move our body and mind collectively, whatever we want to achieve, and open mind, and I think that's the only way forward. And I, even though I was cultural shock and both, both physical and mentally, but however, I think... I took it every second, every step is my gratitude. That's the reason I'm here. I only can move forward is to grab the situation here and take it seriously and move forward. That's a very healthy philosophy. So let's talk about some of your expeditions because I imagine there are some very interesting tales to tell. And I know that you do a lot of work with disabled climbers, and uh, with people suffering from PTSD. So again, if you look at the experiences that you've had uh, dealing with people like that in your trekking business, I'm curious to understand what you have learned from the people coming on your expeditions. Absolutely, Marcos. I think, like I said, the, uh, uh, some of the time, if we fundamentally understand the it's no such thing, right thing or wrong thing. You know, it's no such thing day and night because whatever I believe, what I, whatever I used to believe when I was in Nepal is completely different than what I used to believe here in the West. And if you have that understanding within our human, for example, every man is a good man when they fight for their country or what their belief system. You know, if you look at the current situation, everyone's fighting each other. But there is because absolutely guy from the uh, Nepal with whatever I grown up is I thought is I'm a good man I do this one but when I come here it's oh my god it's completely different way we believe in the system here in the west 
And if, but however, if we believe in truth and if we believe not, uh, if we believe in humanity, you know, if we believe in generosity and wisdom, how can we enhance our capability as being a normal living lives in this world? There is no such thing, you know, income in our life. I always think because even though people have suffer from the PTSD or the, you know, the no legs, no arms, empathy or disability, there's no such thing as a disability because look, you are, we are survived. You know, look, you got the whole access of this universe because if you are alone, you yourself, yourself in the room and if you are suffering, you are in a bad company. So only way to overcome that bad company when we you are yourself is you need to we need to overcome that situation. That the only way to overcome the bad company within yourself is to enhance your perception, enhance your sense how we see the world. If we can grasp that, and also talking about the guys who I've been climbing with my charity and businesses, when I meet them, I told them exactly because you still got your lives you still got a better possibility the only way to move forward is everything matter in our lives the only matter either you take it to the positive and move forward consciously whatever on achieve or you battle all the time psychological case and take the negative part the only way move forward and be happy and be conscious is to look we only need to survive in this world is energy, five energy, air, fire, earth, space, and water. You all got that free. And next thing is, if you can maintain our energy system, body, whatever you think, whatever we do, whatever you go through your thing, if we put that in a perspective and make it as better, the only way is moving forward. So that's the way I I kind of deal every day. And in terms of how you've been inspired by the people that you've climbed with who have gone through those terrible experiences, what have you learned from those inspirations? Actually, it is very close to me and my heart because it gives me, I think the way I look at my life and the way my existence is, am I this is the purpose of my life. Am I happy and am I content within myself first? Once I got that, yes, I'm happy. Once the next one is, how can I make better place in this earth? You know, how can I make help to other people? When I standing with the Mount Blanc with the triple amputee last year, that's probably one of my biggest moments is I'm making difference here. You know, I am the reason here to... I think we all have strengths and weaknesses. You know, if we can all focus on our positive and make some difference with our experience and knowledge, well, we can. And that's give, that, that give me the biggest reward and generosity of me being alive in this world. And look, my experience, I can bring these guys who would never climb or never have achieved their dream, desire or dream in this world. And whatever we do, you know, Working with the dog, playing with the kids, helping other people, and then if we can achieve and sense of achievement with generosity and our experiences, knowledge, and we are worth living. That is the purpose of my life. Excellent, thank you. 
So, Chris, again, this is a difficult question, and feel free to uh, say that you don't want to answer it. But how does one go from being a fierce warrior where your job is to go out and kill and then at some point uh, along the line move to being somebody who is in the next moment, somebody who is all about helping individuals achieve their potential and transition through those difficult situations. And that, that, that's an incredible breadth that one has to uh, go through. How do you square it up in your own mind? Absolutely, Marcos. You, I think you, you, you got a very, very uh, great question there. You know, sometimes, you know, in our lives, what we forget is sometimes what we, whatever we have to do, you know, in order to survive, whatever we have to grab in the situation in order to move forward. And if you can only grab the situation and then that's the only step, you know, in the Buddhism, in the Himalayas, we used to say a lot of people, if they want to climb the mountain, they, they want to see the summit. They want to see that, you know, they want to succeed in the summit. That's the wrong way. The only way to submit the mountain is or submit your Everest or whatever your dream or whatever your desire or dream or business you want to achieve. First thing is to confident yourself standing one step every time with every breath. You know, if we can achieve that with a conscious mind, then you are eventually closer to your dream. You know, like what that means is I, I, w- I was so much open-minded and I was so much, you know, like gratitude with whatever situation in front of me to, and then I will just grab it without second thought with my gut feeling that this is the way I forward. As you go through the by the, you know, as you follow your step every day with consciously, and sometimes you end up in the place and desire which you are deserve more than you deserve. And what does that mean is, but at the same time, if you are conscious, you know, I, I was, I, maybe I was very lucky enough, unfortunate enough to grow up my childhood at the Buddhism and spiritual. And I was just harnessing the, everything I do and, you know, like focusing and conscious I think that's the only reason I think I I'm succeed, you know, whatever I am achieve. And also at the same time, as I grow, you know, wiser and older and understanding the thing, my step was getting, you know, closer and closer what I wanted to achieve. And this is probably the time for me to enhance my perception and enhance my humanity and lives and then make a make as a moving forward. Imagine if I was in the mountain and, you know, living in the jungle, perhaps, uh, you know, I could have been uh, happy, but I think I would have been maybe in a completely different life and maybe have a different perspective of life. But at the same time, I think I'm very gratitude and, uh, you know, very thankful whatever, you know, my step take me here. And I only can is perceive more sharper and more intelligence in the future. So this has sparked another question, which I I was going to ask earlier, but um, you brought me back to it. When you find yourself in a life-threatening situation or combat situation or in extreme conditions, how does your perception of time change, Krish? Yes, that is a very, very good question, Marcos, because I think once in a while, I think I'm sure everyone has their 
time and situation, sometimes you don't, uh, you know, like you are in that situation. Oh my God, you know, am I going to get out from this situation? Because this is probably me, you know, I'm going to die in a minute. <laughs> I, I'm sure, you know, like everyone has that in situation. But at the same time, that is very positive. Some, that's the problem. I think some people or some of us take it as a positive and have a sharpen our you know perception about life what is the meaning of the life that is give you because life is putting you in that situation to make it sharper and understanding you know what is the purpose of life but some of us will not able to grasp that situation and then they will go the darker side of the life because of this that situation the only way to sharpen whatever the situation we are, whatever the life-threatening, you know, disease or the, you know, like some incident happening in our life, there is always a purpose. But only way to move forward and sharpen is our enhancement of our life and then move forward and have a better perspective. And I always take it any moment like that. And Absolutely, you know, that's, this, is, this is why we are lives, because this is why we are live, because we are learning and we need to all the time positive and move forward. So do you find that your senses have remained sharper as a result of putting yourself in those situations? Absolutely. So many times in the Everest and K2, so many times in our lives, in so much clothes, your mind will give up almost your mind and body will be like, oh, this is me. But only way to overcome that situation is be conscious. You know, am I still, you know, am I still here? Am I still intact? Sometimes just stand up. If you can't, if you can't run, you can walk. If you can, if you can't walk, you can crawl. You know, if you can't crawl, you can breathe. Whatever you can do it, but you need to just keep on moving, but still need to be focused and collective and calm. And that's the only way we can move from A to B. That's the only way I've grown. And the also other thing I really, really, you know, like some of some of us will only limit ourselves, limit within our life, lifetime and life frame. Some of the situation I think I look back and reflect is if I do this action, not only my lifetime, maybe for the generation will be learn something about it. You know, this is probably the purpose of me being this, this thing. I'm pretty much, I'm here, I'm give up, you know, whatever I have, my hope and my faith. But I'm sure some of, some of our third, fourth generation will have a benefit from that. That's the only way we can grow and grow and, you know, grace from our situation. So, Two things I know about Buddhism, which is very limited, but they've been very uh, powerful in my life. One is the Buddhist mantra for happiness, which is never complain about anything, even to myself. And that's enabled me to be so much more grateful. And that ties into the next piece, which I think is really important, which is uh, the Buddha's uh, statement that attachment is the root to all misery. So talk to me about how you can stay unattached to the material things, to how people perceive you. Because for a lot of us, that attachment is a, a yoke. It's like, it's like a, a thing that holds us back, drags us down. So how do you manage to maintain that level of non-attachment? Yes, Marcus, that's really, really, you know, like it's really, really close to me. Because, you know, sometimes in the simplest ways, like we say, 
you know, let's, for example, even though if I look my own relationship with my, my mom, because a lot of the time I cry when I left Nepal and came to London and I cried for the mom and dad. But interesting thing is when I speak with her in, you know, three, four days time, they didn't even think about that. They didn't even know I'm crying here. They didn't even know my perception and my understanding about my mom. But it doesn't really affect in her perception. So what that does mean is, in a clear layman term, is whatever happened for us, whatever the emotion, whatever the you know perception, whatever the you know like our psychological is, only happened in our psychological head. So why should I cry for? my loved one or for all the other thing, which is not really, they don't even know about that thing. They don't even affect for them. The only way is I'm my own psychological case. If you understand this in a perceptive more, in a way of the how is, how is, this is a way of nature, you know, we cry, we give our everything, our finance, we give everything as much as you think is a huge thing for us is maybe Nothing even matter for the one, the loved one, which we are doing it. If we look at in the reflective way, a reverse way, the only way to, to make it clean, only way to make it clear ourselves is enhance our perception and understanding ourselves aligned with the cosmos. And that is the, that's why attached with anything we're talking about love, anything with the house, car, or, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, even the kids. We just psychologically kiss ourselves. We, we just giving ourselves everything. Like I say, that doesn't even matter the one we are doing for. This then builds on another fundamental truth the Buddha said, which is that life is uncertain, death is certain. And I think a theme that I've drawn throughout our conversation today is the necessity to accept what is and let go of what you cannot control, and to accept your own mortality, to be grateful for every moment, and to take every opportunity that life sends you in order to be fully present, to enjoy every moment. And even when you're facing adversity or uh, conflict or peril, then to make the best of that moment, Now, that's a really powerful philosophy, but very difficult to live, especially if you are attached. So again, if you look back over your military training and your military experience, if you look at the people who thrived and survived, and you look at the people who were broken by their experience in the military, what were the principal differences psychologically uh, and behaviorally between them? I think when you were talking about the, you know, our mortality, I think if we look every heartbeat is a birth and a death. If we look every breath we took is our birth and a death. If we look and before every day when we go to the bed, this is the last night and we leave in this world. If you look at that sharpen our perception about our seeing our own lives and oh my God, 
life will be so much different and perception of our life will be so much different. And a lot of the people, a lot of the people we think all the people will die and we live forever. That is the view we have at the moment as a human. So scientifically, every living being heart designed to beat 1.5 billion times. But only this modern technique and modern sciences, because all the thing, it maybe beat about 2 million times. So every heartbeat is we beating now is missing. That's it. You know, it's never going to come back. The only, whatever situation we are now then, whatever the adverse condition, whatever the, you know, survival condition, love, the emotion, you know, financial, business, whatever we do, some of the people will succeed because how they succeed is they have the ability and understanding of the current situation and enhance their perception and grab the situation, which is for them, it's maybe one year time, let's say one year time, they can grab and grab and enhance their perception about life. But some, some of us will take 10 years to understand our current situation, understanding the meaning of life and see so only way to grab the situation and only way living in this situation and having understanding the current situation, living in the present, value, and then the understanding the situation and sharpen our perception with the situation and grab the uh, situation which is meaningful for me and meaningful for my loved one and, and meaningful for universe. I think that is the only way we can move forward. So another theme that I'm picking up, which, uh, again, mirrors a lot of what I see in terms of the best around leadership, is that you have to take personal ownership and personal responsibility, not only for where you find yourself, but in how you choose to respond. And when you allow yourself to react instead of choose a response, then you are abdicating that control, that personal responsibility. Is that fair? Absolutely. I think my way of thinking is whatever we do, you know, bigger, there is no such thing, you know, big or small. I think there is no such thing, you know, climbing the Everest or climbing this small mountain. I think according to our own needs and according to our own situation, every life is different and we see the situation different. But what is fundamentally and profound for every living being, not only human, if you look at the ant, if you look at the flies, if you look at the tiger, horse, fish, whatever the shape and size, the only fundamental of the surviving and is to grasp our sense and perception and enhance our capability and energy and uh, action we took. If we can grab grabs our you know five senses and five energy which we talk about it and enhance on ourselves and if we can some other lives change because of that our own perception that is became a leadership that is a science of leader and also the only way to do that is to enhance yourself and understanding the uh, situation and bring the someone else along uh, in in that lines and you know and which is again changing the environment we, we where we are now so 
Building on that around leadership, it seems that not only are we responsible for how we feel and how we respond, but we also have a responsibility to share our light with others. I, I, th- I seem to recall a saying from the, uh, the Buddha uh, that went something along the lines of that one candle can light thousands of candles, but it doesn't then you know, lose its own power along the way. And I think what I'm sensing from this conversation is a theme that there is a, a significant responsibility not only to live a diligent life and be fully present, but also to make sure that you are there for others. And your contribution is really how you will be measured. Rather than just living a selfish life, it's about the impact you have on other people. Absolutely. So I think most of the time, that is the problem with, you know, our human, current human, we were living on the kind of lot more greedy, a lot more self-esteem, and how can I better become better than other and anger, you know, that's what in anger. I think and a lot of the time we are very compulsive, we are very reactive, and whatever the situation throw us throw at us, we'll just react according to that. The most fundamental thing us to understand is we only can react whatever we have in our mind, whatever the memories we've grown up, whatever the situation and culture and diverse we are grown up, that's the only thing we can react situation. Imagine if we are all uh, responsibly, rather than whatever, every situation we are reacting you know, actively, imagine we take uh, five perceptions in our sense as being alive and just responsible for whatever we are present. What is the reason of my responsibility in that situation? And if we can live it more conscious about the my effect and my compulsive behavior, then can I be more in responsible behavior? And only way to be a responsible is to looking at the lives, you know, not looking at the situation, not looking at the good or bad, you know, right or wrong. It is important for me as a existence for the human life. Can I be responsible for that? Not only me. Am I responsible for my generation and generation? Am I changing something in my life? Am I changing whole in other lives? I think if we are a little bit more conscious about this one, it, we will be, I think whole lives will be in different position. The only way to be responsible rather than reactable is to enhance our perception, see our lives different, then we can change this someone, someone else's lives and living being. It's very interesting because that subject of attachment keeps coming through into my head again. And if you hang on to things, if you cling to them, that's where you feel loss. So again, I'm seeing a, a huge parallel between your philosophy in Buddhism and the Stoic philosophers. Because, the, again, being fully present, living an honest life, saying you're going to do something is different from doing. And being fully present, being content with your lot in life, doesn't mean that you can't strive for more, 
but you can't do that at the expense of someone else without diminishing yourself. So again, I want to come back to your experience as a soldier. How do you square up the difficult and painful and ugly things that you've had to do with this incredibly peaceful and loving philosophy? Because it it strikes me that the two seem to be in direct conflict with one another. And I'm I'm curious how how one manages that at a a moral and psychological level. Absolutely. Again, I think in our lives as a human being, just going back to my, you know, the, my own kind of thought process and how I overcome every situation. I think in our lives, a lot of time we only, a lot of us will take it to the negative or dark side of it. There is no, you know, dark side of our energy. And whatever we do in our lives, in, in a military term, you know, we train. We train to be, you know, body body we train to be help each other you know we tend to be there for someone else if need be you know our body and mind are trained repeatedly you know became you know like unconscious mind trained to be good at it something you know so that you are there even even though your body and mind is still not there you are there you know so if we can take that stuff sometime and also but at the same time Sometimes a lot of us will be so much greedy, you know, sometimes so much ignorance, whatever the situation is. And sometimes we are so much, um, you know, uh, anger involved. The only way to enhance our perception is to flip the other way. Like, for example, if you are greedy, you can become more wisdom, you know. If you are more ignorant, how can we help in generosity, you know, generous for someone else? If you are more egos and how can you become wisdom, you know? If you look at it, the opposite side or other side of the life, and then this is the only way moving forward. And a lot of time, like I say, we are so much of our psychological case, you know, we are so much after the something which is beyond our grasp and capability. And we are not thankful, you know, we are not gratitude for our own lives and being a living in this moment, you know, being wake up in the morning and seeing the 60% of energy is free. For example, sun, air, everything free. Just go outside, you know, have a look at the sky and you are survived there, you know. You don't need nothing. Have, if you have that, take it that gratitude of being a moment, living a moment is the only way to move forward every step and enhance our perception and if we enhance our perception, that is the only way enhance someone else's perception. It, it strikes me that you have to have a lot of uh, a huge amount of compassion for yourself. Otherwise, any compassion you have for anyone else is either incomplete or not genuine. And it it, it feels like your experience of going through your journey through life you've had to be able to square up with yourself the difficult actions and choices, but recognize that that was the situation you were in. And once it's done, you move on. And one of my good friends and mentors always tells me, let go or be dragged. And being being able to let go of my past, let go of my hurts, let go of my anger. Mark Twain said it beautifully. He said that 
Anger is the acid that etches the vessel that contains it. Anger eats you from inside. Jealousy, pride. In Christian philosophy, you know, those uh, seven deadly sins are things that eat you up inside. And I think one of the things that I'm getting from you, Krish, is that you've managed to let go of a lot of those things. I'm, I'm not sure that you've managed to entirely. That's part of the journey. But it's incredibly refreshing to hear someone who is happy in themselves, feels like the work that they do is important and meaningful and throws himself at it completely. Is that how you feel about life? Absolutely. I think that is the, that's probably one of my strengths, you know, like growing up in the mountain, growing up in the trees, you know. The meaning of a life is to survive first. The only way to, and like a lot of us don't realize that surviving is a free, you know, only if you got everything is there, you know, you don't have to pay, you don't have to work for it. And the having that understanding and to then everything you do, everything we do are, are wasting our energy and the time into now to enhance and then either yourself or enhance someone else. And if we have, if you have a choice of enhancing yourself and enhancing the lives of this matter, that is the only conscious and then, you know, like responsibility we have being alive in this world. I think most important thing in our, lot of people we don't realize is about 60 to 70% chronic disease is actually come up within the human being from inside, you know. The only way to get rid of that chronic disease is to enhance and being a, you know, like generosity, being happy, being a conscious, being a meaning of the life. And a lot of us will have a misconception of the, you know, like, oh, being a spiritual or being a Buddhism or being a, a faith Christian or Muslim is to let, you know, mind free, free of mind or mindfulness. I think my understanding is you are more conscious if you have got more brain, you know, strumming, you know, be quiet and let everything come in, you know, let the situation come into you. But you are responsible, responsible for, right, this emotion coming to me, this job coming to me, this finance coming to me, this my love, this is my family. Let it come in to be observed, you know, what is meaning for you and just responsible what you need to react, you know. In the Arabic saying, there is a saying, God give us a two year, only one year, one mouth. So what that means is we have got, God even give us more, more sight to, you know, like everything our senses is taken in, taken in, taken in. But a lot of the time, we give it more and a lot of time we react it more, not, you know, rather than just perceive whatever the nature gives us and responsible, whatever we have to, uh, you know, responsible. If we can, that's the only way I think I, I kind of, you know, sharpen my enhancement is to let it in, I'll take it, then, okay, am I, is it really worth me to uh, react or responsible in this situation, then, okay, this is a situation I have to be step up, you know. If I'm in the climbing the Everest and leading the people, and if I don't say something, or if I don't do something, then my responsibility to step up and show my experience and 
teach them or show them this is how we do, but 99% let it be, you know, just if they are doing something and it's meaningful, just let it be. I don't need to be, you know, in step up and giving more than what I need to receive. So again, I think what I'm hearing here is don't judge, accept people uh, for who they are. Um, we, we, we need to understand that so often that we're going to suffer pain. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional, I think was the, uh, the quote from Buddha. And we need to be willing to accept people for who they are and meet them where they are and listen, really pay attention to what they're trying to communicate. Because uh, if we don't, then chances are we are either filtering or we're judging. And if we're doing that, then we don't really understand them. Sadly, we've come to the top of the hour. I could talk to you for hours. So tell me this, if you had the opportunity to go back in time to speak to your idiot 23-year-old self, what advice would you give young Krish? I think one of the things I would maybe is do is the, rather than, you know, sometimes we all have the same, you know, like, uh, you know, life lesson learned in our life. I would be listening more myself. I will be more responsible than, you know, reactive and compulsive decision and run around, you know, psychological, more psychological case than I would be more existence case. And I might be listening and more conscious about what I'm going to make my difference, my lives and my love on, and am I going to make some difference for someone else because of my responsible or because of my reaction or that would be my takeaway and a little bit more conscious and focusing on uh, ourselves and understanding the situation. Excellent. So tell me this, if you could give us one book that we should read or something we should watch or listen to that would help us gain a better understanding either of ourselves or our place in the universe, what would you recommend? I think the most important thing is, I think we are death, death is, you know, like part of life. Uh, we, are, we are very fortunate here today, you know, speaking like that and sharing our experience, knowledge. And the only thing that our purpose make us a better person, better human, is how can we enhance our capability and enhance our perception, understanding our own self in order to make a better generation so that, you know, like third, fourth generation human coming in, in this world is better than us. Have you read a book by a guy called Viktor Frankl called Man's Search for Meaning? Not really. Okay. It, it fits very neatly with your philosophy. Viktor Frankl was a Jew during the Second World War, and he was experimented on by Dr. Mengele in uh, the concentration camps. And he noticed, he observed the human condition in these terrible uh, circumstances. And he made a very clear distinction between freedom and liberty. Freedom was uh, psychological and mental. Liberty was a physical thing. And he noticed that those who had meaning and who had purpose survived, and those who didn't, didn't have that, didn't survive. 
And it's an incredibly compassionate book because the compassion he had to have for himself was immense. If those of you listening, if you haven't yet read that, I strongly urge you to do so. Chris, thank you so much. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you very much, Marcos, uh, you know, having on board. And um, absolutely, thank you very much. My pleasure. How can people get hold of you? I am on the, uh, you know, like LinkedIn, Chris TM, and Instagram, Sustainable Himalayan Foundation. And if you look any of these, you know, all the uh, media platform, I can get all up there. Excellent. Chris Tapper, thank you. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you, everyone. This is Marcus Cappy signing off once again from the Inquisitor podcast. If you found this conversation enlightening or helpful, then please like, comment, and share, and do subscribe. And if you think you'd be a good guest, then please get in touch with me at marcus at laughs-last.com or contact me via LinkedIn. In the meantime, stay safe and happy selling. Bye-bye.